Hey guys, um, it's Chris and Carly back, and we're here today to talk about um, just something basic, but something that probably a lot of people are wondering about, and that is what are just symptoms, I suppose, is maybe not mm-hmm. the right word, but of being an average teen, or what is actually a warning sign that something else is happening, whether that's depression, mental health, suicide. Um, so what is just being a normal teenager and what is something that a parent should actually look into and think of as a warning sign? Right. So this is a, a particularly difficult time of year for most teenagers. Uh, test time is coming up. Uh, we're, we're getting into, especially if you're in the upper grades, kind of starting to think more about college and college applications. And I know Teen Life, we get a lot more calls for our groups during this time right. because because the school staff is really feeling the, the heat. And so uh, we found this Insta post from uh, a feed called the Yellow Tulip Project. They made this great infographic that we'll, we'll uh, attach to this uh, recording. Uh, and they basi- basically broke down uh, what are the signs of a- average adolescence's basic behaviors versus potential warning signs for mental health or suicidal thoughts. And we we thought that this time of year, kind of going into the spring, um, this would be a really good time to break this down and talk through this. So um, be sure to look at that and uh, full credit to the Yellow Tool Project for this great infographic. Yeah, awesome. uh, so the first thing uh, we we'll basically, we'll, we'll do all three. We'll talk about average adolescence versus potential warning signs. Um, so if you have a student that you're working with and you see them withdrawing from family um, to spend more time with friends. Uh, we would say that is an average, average kind of adolescent mm-hmm. behavior, some, something you would expect to see. Right, because at that time of life, they're making more friends, they're gaining freedom. We talk about that in our training a lot, mm-hmm. how important independence and freedom is for teenagers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at some point, they are going to start to distance they're going to distance for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they might not spend as much time with your family when they get a car, especially you're going to see that decrease because mm-hmm. they have the freedom to leave home, to go see friends, to go to dinner, to want to go to the movies. Um, and that is definitely something that's normal. Um, so keep those family times still sacred for your family, but just know that for this stage, it's probably not going to be the same. And I think as a parent, this is probably one of the most difficult parts of your child becoming a teenager right. is is that withdrawing and understanding that is completely normal and uh, that is that is a developmental stage they they need to be able to do that and so uh, but that's that's an average adolescent sign uh, but where where it starts to become more of a warning sign where it's not normal teenage behavior is withdrawing from family friends and social activity altogether right so if you go from being involved in a lot of things being involved with family to being involved with nothing. Um, no friends, no extracurriculars, just doing the things that they love they're not doing anymore. Um, yeah, I think that would be a warning sign that something else might be going on. Right. Um, and so pay attention to if they're withdrawing from your family, are they drawing close to other people? Mm-hmm. Um, and if they are, that's great, but make sure that they have other people in their life. And if they're just withdrawing completely um, and not spending time with even friends or um, people at school, people at church, teammates, then maybe that's a sign that you should be asking more. Yeah, and that's and that's, that's exactly what I was going to say is that that's your invitation to ask, right? Um, not an invitation to diagnose necessarily. Mm-hmm. And so, um, be, just being able to to know that line uh, is going to be really important. Withdrawing from you guys as a family, that's normal. But we're, but all together, we want to we want to pay attention to that and make right. sure that they get the help that they need. Uh, moving on. 
um, average adolescent behavior is wanting more privacy. And uh, that's more, maybe more time in the room, uh, less interaction about things that they would consider to be more socially sensitive. Um, and while maybe more annoy annoying or kind of jarring to family life whenever your student is starting to kind of withdraw that way and not really want to talk as much about what's going on with school or relationships or mm -hmm. their hopes and dreams, it is pretty normal. Right. And I even think, too, with this privacy comes um, – with siblings, they're going to want privacy and want their things, people not going in their room, um, with social media, with their phones, of not wanting people to look at their phone. Um, privacy is a big deal for teenagers, and we hear them talk about it a lot, mm -hmm. of um, when someone goes through their stuff, when someone looks at something without asking. Mm -hmm. um, that's a privacy issue, and that probably comes back to trust and freedom and do you trust them. And so that is a normal behavior, that they're just going to want a little bit more privacy and I think that's different for different stages. When they're younger, maybe they don't need as much privacy, but if they've built up that trust, that's mm -hmm. up for the family to decide how much privacy they can give them. And that privacy is also a way they can figure out the world too. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes when you're wanting to be more to yourself, you're um, you're thinking about life, you're thinking about the things that decisions you're having to make, and developmentally, that's very appropriate right. uh, for them to be able to have that time um, to like we say, kind of work with the shiny new tools of self-reflection mm -hmm. and introspection, um, <laughs> talking to themselves, that kind of stuff. That's all That's all pretty new to an adolescent. And so privacy is that place where they get to flex those muscles and uh, and figure out how to use those tools. Uh, but where it becomes uh, a warning sign where we want to pay more attention is becoming secretive and really being seeming to hide something. Right. And I would say just for parents, look for red flags. Of is it privacy or is there something else? And we talk about that in our training too. Some mm -hmm. of the red flags, if they get super angry, if they um, seem like they're hiding something and there's something different, mm -hmm. um, then maybe that is. And we'll talk about um, in a little bit some kind of practical steps to take after this. But that's just where, once again, just ask more questions. Mm -hmm. um, don't jump to conclusions just because your teenager is hiding one thing, that there's mental health or there's suicide. But mm -hmm. at the same time, be aware that if there's secretive things um, or they're hiding stuff from you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and, and it's important to um, – sometimes sometimes teenagers don't always keep their stories straight, and we talk about that a lot mm -hmm. uh, whenever we're working with uh, our, our volunteers. It doesn't always mean they're necessarily hiding something. Maybe they don't have their story straight and right. they're not being purposely deceptive. And so uh, really being patient and – uh, having compassion for their stage of life is really important as a helper um, to not be accusatory to 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 keep that trust that relationship even if you don't quite know what's going on being able to ask those questions or find someone who will ask ask those questions mm -hmm. but it is it is a warning sign whenever we're starting to hide stuff yeah. and we're starting to we're starting to kind of keep things to ourselves and not talk um, we really want to be concerned um, if that's the case. So finally, um, an average adolescent behavior is moving from childhood likes to teenage pursuits. Mm -hmm. um, and I know as parents, especially for parents, this is one of the hardest ones where you start to see the things, you know, maybe the, the burst of imagination and the uh, playfulness of, of, of childlike behavior really turn more into um caring more what people think mm -hmm. <laughs> and some of those teenage, th those aspects of teenage behavior that are, are pretty stereotypical. 
Right. And I think this is probably the one that concerns parents and adults the most when you completely change what you like. Mm-hmm. Um, and that makes you think something else is going on. Why they used to like that and now they don't. However, like you said, that developmentally they're different. Um, as they get into middle school and start playing sports or band or choir, just interests are going to change. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's normal and that's okay um, as long as they are replacing it with something else. Mm-hmm. Um And so that's, I think, where that potential warning sign comes in. If they're replacing old interests with nothing and now they're just staying home and now they're just laying in their bed or they're not going out and they don't have an interest anymore, that's where there would be a warning sign. Right. And that's uh, that's where as a parent we have to be very discerning and uh, Mm -hmm. or as a helper, very discerning that we we, that they're replacing that stuff, that, that there's new things Sometimes whether you like it or not, what they're replacing it with, at least they're replacing it with something, and they're they're having some interest in and in something that's going to help them grow, um, and continue to develop out as an adolescent. Um, if if there's nothing being replaced, uh, then it's gonna it's kind of it's, it's gonna be almost a feedback loop where, if they're on their own all the time, they're withdrawing, they're they're going to start becoming more secretive. I don't want to talk to anyone, and they're not replacing mm-hmm. uh, those childlike. Uh, interest to those teen pursuits, then we, we, we want to be really concerned uh, that, that maybe something deeper is going on. Um, with, with any signs of mental health or suicide, um, so much can be prevented by the helpers paying attention right. and asking the good questions. We're going to kind of get to that in our, in our, in our second half uh, of, of this uh, video, this uh, presentation, uh, to talk about what, it, what can we do as helpers if we notice these warning signs. Exactly. So we will be back with some more. Mm-hmm. Hey, Chris. So what if I told you that not only could you see this podcast in video form, but you could also get access to mental health professionals, counselors, experts in their field as well? I would ask, how would I do that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of selling myself on this as well. Yeah, exactly. But basically, we have created something called the Teen Life Impact Group. And if you go to teenlife.ngo slash impact, um, you can find out more information about this. But by being a monthly impact giver, um, $5 a month is all it would take. That's the minimum. Mm-hmm. But you can go up more than that if you want. All that money goes to helping teenagers. Mm-hmm. But you also get access to a private Facebook group where you we're going to have a monthly resident expert. They're going to talk about things this just month. We talked about negative self-talk mm-hmm. and how important it is and what can you do to help Help teenagers correct that and mm-hmm. um, we've got great experts coming up in the future so you can continue to get content like what we're doing right now in addition to discussion if you have questions you can put it out there and there will be experts and the teen life staff there to help you um, answer all those questions mm-hmm. if you're a podcast listener if you've heard uh, some of our, our episodes in the past uh, we're going to get uh, some of those people on and, and be able to get some deeper dives in some of the topics they talked about and the things that they're passionate about. And we have a list of brand new people who are going to come and every single month uh, are going to be able to deliver things that will help you as a helper and will also give you the opportunity to find support with other helpers. And so we're going to create great discussions, great feedback to be able to talk through the things that you see that what's worked for you as a helper and things that haven't worked. And so that's another great aspect of the, of the Teen Life Impact Group. So for as little as five bucks a month, you can jump on and participate in this incredible resource. I really encourage you guys to take advantage of that. Yeah, so jump on to teenlife.ngo slash impact to find out more information. So now that we've talked about what are warning versus um, 
normal adolescent behaviors, we want to talk about what do you do? Mm -hmm. If you see a warning sign or even if your curiosity just kind of is like, "Uh, there might be something else going on, what can you do? How can you talk to a teenager? And so that's what we want to cover right now. Mm -hmm. So we, as a helper, it's really good to be self-reflective and ask yourself before you go and have that conversation, how am I feeling about this? Mm -hmm. Uh, and we often don't do that. We often come charging in with our advice and the things that we feel like they need to hear from us. And it's good to to take a a quick second for a check-in and maybe ask yourself, how do I feel about talking about suicide or mental health with, if this is your child, if this is a a kid in your classroom, a kid that you're coaching, a kid that you're mentoring, um, how comfortable am I really with talking about suicide or mental health and can I overcome that? Right. And so one of the important things, too, to know as a helper, um, you don't have to have all the answers. Mm -hmm. If you go and start talking to a teenager um, and they need more help, get them more help. You Mm -hmm. don't have to be the one that has all the answers, uh, but you have to be comfortable enough to talk about it. You Mm -hmm. have to be comfortable enough to ask the question, to dive into that conversation, to care enough about a teenager to say, hey, I noticed something, and so I want to talk to you about it. And so if you aren't comfortable with that, like you said, how can you overcome that? Do you need to talk to someone first and work through something yourself before you can approach a teenager? Mm-hmm. So whether that's your spouse or that's uh, a, a trusted mentor or someone that you can just say, hey, I need to have this conversation. I don't quite know how to do it. Um, help me out with this. Tell, you know, tell me this is what I feel like I'm going to say. Um, but it just kind of gives you a chance to, to, to talk it out in your own head. And some of the things we're going to talk about here, um, sometimes I'll literally just drive in my car and talk <laughs> and hear, hear myself saying it. And like, like if, if I can actually hear those words coming out of my mouth um, and they sound super awkward, I might need to take a second pass at that, whether it's writing it down, um, but just some way to get out of your own head. If you feel, if you truly do feel uncomfortable, like us at Teen Life, these are conversations we have all the time. So we, we have a comfort level with that, but this, this is your first time really having this conversation. Like we feel for you. It's, right. it can be, it can be kind of awkward but um, also understand from the teenagers and no matter how they respond, they appreciate it, mm-hmm. that you're willing to have that conversation. Totally. Um, so also asking yourself the question, and if you've listened to the podcast very long, you know we're pretty, pretty big on this. Are you really listening or are you just mm-hmm. giving advice? Exactly, because if there's a warning sign, you need to be asking questions, um, like we said You do not need to assume that there's mental health problems there if you see one thing that causes you to question. So just ask a question. Just open up a discussion. But you don't need to say, this is wrong, and I think you have mental health, and I think all these things, I think you're depressed. Please do not go diagnosing teenagers Mm -hmm. um, if you are not trained and been to school to Mm -hmm. do that. Um, But just listen. Ask good questions and sit there. Take a minute to not go through all the things, all the worries in your mind or trying to guess what they're going to say, but purely just listen. Because mm-hmm. this is not about your anxieties. It's about theirs. Right. <laughs> and exactly. so so keep, keeping, the, keeping the focus on that, um, you can find ways to try to take pressure and stress off of the teenager. Um, because a lot, a lot of times, almost all these times, it is because of just some, something they, they can't handle. Right. Or at least they think they can't handle. And so if there are ways you can say, hey, put your homework up tonight. Let's go grab something to eat. Or, mm-hmm. hey, you know you know the things they love to do and help them engage in that, whatever that looks like. But just a way you can take some pressure off of the teenager. Right. And then another important thing 
is making sure that you personally are modeling how to handle stress well. Um, teenagers are in an incredibly stressful time of life. Mm-hmm. Are you handling stress mm-hmm. well? Because that's how they're learning how to handle stress. Mm-hmm. Um, if they see you stressed at work or with family and how you handle that and it's negative, um, they're going to turn to negative things as well. Mm-hmm. And so also that is, that's a really hard thing to do is to self-reflect and say, okay, maybe they're struggling because I'm struggling as mm-hmm. well. And so take some time also to help yourself mm-hmm. um, before you help a teenager. And if you, if you know that you are struggling with how you're handling your stress, it's okay to be confessional with your student about that. Totally. Um, if I, and, and say, I'm, I know I'm not really doing well with this right now. And so, uh, if you need to apologize or say, you know, can you help me or can I help you? You know, we're in this together. Neither one of us are probably handling this mm-hmm. the way we could, but some way you can make a connection. Um, and if it is over, both your mishandlings of stress, and that is a way. To, that's the way to connect. Right. At least we're all being honest, right? Um, finally, trying to place trusted adults in their life, um, so they can also be looking for. And so, if you're part of a church family, part of a community, part of um, other other adults who can uh, speak into their lives, we really, really encourage that because if it's not you, it needs to be someone that is looking out for them, and so being on the lookout of what adults do they really connect with uh, and make sure that you pull them in on these conversations as well. Right. And even little things like have some adults follow your teenager on social media. Mm -hmm. Um, If they're nervous about you following them, ask, say, okay, I need you to pick three adults that can follow you if it's Mm -hmm. not me. Um, But have adults be on the lookout like, hey, I noticed something. Um, Even if a teenager has a few adults that can say, Hey, you said this on social media. What did you mean by that? Mm -hmm. Um, If it's not you, make sure you have other people who are looking out for them as well, Mm -hmm. that they're noticing new behaviors, that they're noticing these things. You might not catch everything because you're so close. And so having other people that they can go to if they need to talk to, but can also help you look for warning signs is Mm -hmm. a huge deal. Um, And then finally, kind of what we want to talk about is what can you actually ask a student? So when you're having a conversation with a student, where do you start? Mm -hmm. Um, An easy thing is, hey, I've noticed that you've been acting different. What's going on? Mm-hmm. You don't have to st- start out and say, are you depressed? That doesn't have to be the first thing that you do, but just saying, hey, I'm noticing this. Mm-hmm. And that shows a teenager too, hey, I care enough about you that I noticed that you dropped this activity. I noticed you're not hanging out with that friend anymore. I noticed you changed the way that you dress. What's going on? Just tell me about it. Mm-hmm. And the way you the way you word that's important, um, we talk a lot about taking the word why out of your questions. So saying, why are you acting this way? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Probably it's not going to get the results that you want. And so um, I like that. What What's going on? I've noticed this. Um, and they might say, no, nothing to see here. But they know that you notice. Mm-hmm. And so that's a starting point, at least. Um, if you're really concerned uh, about their their safety, um, and they have shown uh, some of the signs we talked about in the previous part of this um, of this presentation. And and at some point, we'll we'll record some more specific signs of suicidal thoughts and behaviors. Right. There, there's some things that you can really be looking for. Um, but if you really do suspect that, uh, your greatest tool is your question and. Uh, we encourage you to come straight out and ask the question, are you 
thinking of killing yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that seems really, really direct. Um, and I think some people fear asking that question, thinking that maybe you're going to put some ideas in their head. Like, no, I hadn't thought about that, but I am now. That's usually not what's going on. <laughs> no. Right. And so being very direct with that question, are you thinking about killing yourself? Have you ever considered it? Um, and that's going to likely get you a lot farther by being as direct and honest as you possibly can with that question. Right. And we'll link some of our previous podcasts as well that talked about suicide. Um, but just asking the question, get it out there. Have you ever considered it? Have you um, come up with a plan? Mm-hmm. Um, have you considered it in the past? Um, having that conversation because then they know it's out in the open. Um, if the answer is no, then the answer is no when you move on. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've asked the question. Um, but another important one too is just how can I help? How can I help you? How can I take pressure off? How can um, we have better discussions? Mm-hmm. Um, what can I do to help you if there is something going on, if there is something wrong? Mm-hmm. Is a big, big question as well. And just make sure going into these conversations that you are willing to make the changes you need to make as a helper, uh, the adjustments you need to make that are going to be really helpful for them. So if they're like, you know, I, I wish you would stay off your phone, <laughs> or um, you know, you're always you're always gone. You know, I'd like to talk to you more. Be willing to make those adjustments for the sake of your of your uh, the teenager that you work with, um, and you know having that list of people at the ready of who would you be comfortable talking to? They might say, "I don't know," um, but you know, hey, I've got um, we've got a coach or a teacher or a counselor or a student pastor or a mentor or a close family friend, and just kind of have that that list of names. Like, like would, have you thought about talking to them? Right. Because I, I think that would be really great for you to talk to. Right. Because if the answer is, if you're asking what I can do to help and they don't know and they don't seem to be opening up to you, you can then ask, well, who could you talk to? Mm-hmm. Who would you be comfortable talking to? Because yeah. sometimes it is, I tell parents this a lot, sometimes it is really difficult to talk to your parent about something that it wouldn't be difficult talking to someone outside of the mm-hmm. home. Um, and so making sure that you have a list of trusted adults that you trust the advice that they would give your student. You trust that if something was really wrong, that they would come to you or they would handle it in a way that you would agree with mm-hmm. um, is important in making sure that your student has someone to talk to and not being defensive of that. I feel like it would be hard not to get defensive of, well, why can't they tell me that? Mm-hmm. But if it's best for your student to talk to someone else, let that happen. Yeah, the end game is you want your um your teenager, the student that you work with to get the help they need for them to be safe and them to uh, ultimately get better. Right. And so taking our own prides and egos and feelings out of it as much as we possibly can um, and know we might not be the person, but we're going to find the person who will help you with that um, will be a really, really um, important thing. We can also refer you to great uh, resources and counselors. Um, We feel like school counselors are some of the best resources out there, some of those underutilized resources. Right. Uh, we find, uh, especially as we're on campuses with our support groups, that most of the time the students don't know that their counselors are there for their social-emotional support too, mm-hmm. sometimes not only helping them with classes. But there, there, there are a lot more resources on public school campuses than we realize. Right. And we can help, we can help you uh, find those resources. Um, but make sure you pull your school counselor in on that. Yeah, definitely. So um, just kind of to wrap up, we encourage you to be looking for um, ways that you can help your student. We encourage you to notice the little things, to have the conversation, um, and just to encourage them that they're not alone in this. Mm -hmm.